Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. A couple of weeks ago, UPR presented a special program called COVID-19 Conversation, answering your questions about the pandemic. We're going to resume our conversation today on the program. As the state moves from red to orange level, we'll ask what that means and how it affects you. And your questions are welcome throughout the hour. Here's how you can get to us. You can get to us by email, upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. Um, and I was announcing the phone uh, number, but uh, we have a lot of guests on our limited phone line. So uh, let's just say email, uh, upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. And uh, we welcome in uh, Senator Lyle Hilliard uh, from uh, Logan. Senator Hilliard, welcome back to the program. Glad to be with you, Tom. Uh, Gordon Larson, Policy Director with the Governor's Office, uh, joins us again. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Tom. Happy to be here. Uh, we welcome in uh, Brady Bradford, Health Director with the Southeast Utah Health Department. Welcome back to the program. Good morning, Tom. Good morning. And Josh Greer, Public Information Officer with the Bear River Health Department, uh, joins us. Thank you. Thanks, Tom. Uh, so, uh, again, uh, upraxis at gmail.com. You probably have a lot of questions. I certainly have a lot of questions. Uh, upraxis at gmail.com, upraxis at uh, gmail.com. Uh, let me start briefly with uh, Senator Hilliard. Uh, last time we were on, uh, one of the reasons we put the program together was you were getting a lot of questions from your constituents. What are the top questions you're getting now? Well, it's really interesting, Tom, because I'm getting pressure from both sides. One side, extreme would shut everything down and basically say, go hide under your bed. They don't want to do anything until they really have the assurance that this uh, COVID-19 is well under control and not a problem. Then I've got other people on the other side who think this is kind of a fakey deal and that we really ought to be going full bore and that it's no more dangerous than some of the other medicines. And I I hate as as an elected official have such extremes, but... I, I, those are not the majority. The majority of the people I'm hearing from are just kind of restless. Uh, I think the thankfulness, and I want to compliment the Bear River Health Department because I, people may not understand or see all the work that they're doing to follow everything along, but I do, and I really appreciate the work they're doing. We're very fortunate here in the Bear River. I think we've had one death, and that death was someone who was living outside the area and came back. Uh, I think we've done a pretty good job in doing it. I'm fully supporting of, of moving from the red to the orange as long as it's carefully done. And I think that's what we need to do and move into that area and, again, be able to monitor as best we can on an even keel exactly what's happening. So if it becomes worse, because we are, have moved into that, and that's always a question, what's causing it? But if it's because we're moving into being more connected and more working together, then we need to draw back. And I like that about the governor's program has been described, it's not a light, light switch, but it's a dimmer switch. So it's one thing we can move one way or the other as we need to. And I think people, in, and I'm talking now to people I'm around in Cash Valley, I think they're pretty supportive, uh, generally speaking, of wanting to go slowly, but wanting to go in moving in that direction. Uh, Gordon Larson, uh, Senator Hilliard mentioned people are restless. Uh, I'm feeling that. I think a lot of people are feeling that. And we have photographic evidence. Uh, there are you know, stories of... Uh, people heading out to the reservoirs and such, and in, in some areas, uh, new people are restricted for coming in, and you see some of the photographic evidence of not a lot of social distancing in some of those areas. You can kind of understand that. Uh, what are you hearing about to what, to what the mood of the people is? Yeah, thanks, Tom. I think uh, Senator Hilliard framed it correctly, and I think, uh, as the governor said before, that the key is uh, we just have to have this heightened level of, of common sense and personal responsibility. So, the state's not going to tell, um, all, not going to imagine every conceivable scenario and 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 tell people what they should do in every scenario. But the the, the guiding principle should be that uh, as we do go out more, and that's okay, um, we should we should continue to try and practice social distancing and. And, and particularly when that's not realistic, you know, when you're going grocery shopping or you're out and about, wear a mask. And and I think wearing a mask has to become part of our societal response to this. And, and we have to get used to that being part of the new normal, um, that we, we wear a mask, uh, not just to protect us, but to protect those around us. Um, we know that we know now that asymptomatic spread is possible. 
and um, and and some of that is is you know people just are not they may not be feeling sick, but they they may actually indeed have the virus and and be able to transmit it to others. So that's um, wearing wearing a mask, um, and particularly when uh, large scale uh, mask adoption happens, then that dramatically uh, can can uh, drop the transmission rate. So. Um, you're, you're certainly right. We see examples out there of people not uh, practicing social distancing, and that's um, that's disappointing. But I think, by and large, people are taking it seriously and, and are trying to continue and be safe as they go out more. Yeah, you mentioned the the face mask. Uh, there, you know, it's kind of a some cultures, Asian cultures, for example, have adopted this maybe because of their experience with SARS um, and other you know uh, pandemics. Uh, but um, and our culture has been a little slower. I'm seeing more and more people put on the face mask. My wife and I did it too recently. My wife ordered some face masks and put it on, and it was a little weird at first, but I'm I'm getting used to it. Uh, yeah, so- I think you're right. It, it's it's a good it's a good thing, and and again, something that we hope becomes sort of a um, a token of civic responsibility that those who are trying to to help um, wear a mask, and um, and it's it's perceived as as not being a scary thing, but being something that we do as as uh, as communities and as Utahns to help uh, slow the spread and and to show that we're um, that we're taking it seriously. So uh, I want to ask you uh, just, you know, the top bullet points. What uh, what are the top changes moving from red to orange? Yeah, do you, and Thomas uh, is Gordon again. Do you want me to uh, tackle yeah, that yeah, one? Or do you want, want, maybe, maybe have you uh, start, and then we'll go to our, our health directors for that. Sure. So, so as you mentioned, we've moved from uh, red, which is the high risk, to, to orange, which is the moderate risk. Um, that was effective last Friday on May 1st. And, and, and just a couple of bullet points, what that means is um, that there's, there's still, we have those high-risk categories. So those are the people age 65 and older and those uh, of any age who are immunocompromised. They should continue to, to treat themselves as in a high-risk category and exercise all possible caution. Um, for everyone else, and, and now as we've moved to that moderate-risk category, um, again, we encourage people to wear a mask in public. Um, to, to stay home if possible, and, and, and um, when you do um, get together, to do so in small groups of family and friends. Uh, groups of 20 or fewer is the recommended number. Um, businesses that had been closed uh, through either the governor's directive um, or through the, the 13 local health departments, and that would include the, you know, dine-in restaurants. So the restaurants were still open, but, um, but only for curbside. Now, now they can, in orange, they can uh, reopened to dining restaurants with some very specific protocols in place. Uh, gyms and salons were other businesses that had been closed um, and that now can reopen under very strict guidelines. And for those uh, who are listening, I would refer them to uh, the the guidelines that are up on coronavirus.utah.gov. If you go to the website, coronavirus.utah.gov, you'll find a set of guidelines that are applicable uh, to businesses and then those to individuals as well. And, and uh, and that's what we should be looking to to guide us and and how we interact with people and how we go out and about now. We do have a question from uh, Hillary. I'll I'll hold on that uh, just a, a couple more minutes, but I'll get to that. Uh, thanks for that, Hillary. Uh, so I want to turn next to Brady Bradford, health director with the Southeast uh, Utah Health Department. Um, uh, so how are things uh, there? Uh, so the three counties, right? Grand, uh, Carbon, and Emory. How are things uh, there? Um, we've fared very well so far in terms of our. Uh, caseload. We um, have had 12 local people um, that were, we followed or are following along with their contacts. We've actually had a number of people that we've quarantined locally that were here working from back east that uh, um, don't show up on our case counts but uh, have taken up quite a, bit, quite a bit of time. But we've been happy that even those that we've followed have generally been uh, very healthy. Their symptoms have been pretty minimal, um, and we are to a point, I think it's been highlighted already, that there is a little bit of, of restlessness um, to, to wonder about this reopening process, and we've seen very uh, good compliance. People are eager to, to want to do what is right. It's certainly not 100%, but um, our businesses here, our, our, our population here, is anxious to to continue to implement what we've learned over the last uh, several weeks. 
Of course, you're in a tourism hotspot there, and there's been kind of a tension. You know, you, you need the tourists for the economy, but uh, maybe didn't want people visiting so much because of the pandemic. What What's the feeling now? Um, honestly, Tom, there's still a little bit of um, anxiety about, um, you know, how many people might end up, particularly in, in Grand County, as we know that it's such a, an attractive place to be in, in the springtime. Um, but in a normal spring, you'll often see, you know, the grocery stores are, are just packed with people and, and Main Street is packed with people. And those that, the residents of Grand County um, know that right now that, that's a pretty dangerous situation. So we did apply for a variance from the governor's office to continue to, to limit to some extent um, the occupancy rates of our of the hotels and campgrounds in Grand County just so we could implement kind of a phased reopening of, of tourism in Grand County feeling like a, a whole horde of people like we did see in some of the the southwestern Utah parks would would be detrimental to our situation in Grand County mm. Let me turn uh, next to Josh Greer, Public Information Officer, Bear River Health Department. Uh, how are things going northern Utah? These are what, uh, Cash, Box Elder, Rich. Is that the, those are the counties you cover? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Um, we're similar to Brady uh, down in southeast. We, we've been very fortunate up here. Um, our our caseloads have been relatively uh, few. Um, I, I, I will agree with Brady, uh, <laughs> a lot goes on behind the scenes. Our, our epidemiological staff has been incredibly busy uh, locating the, these positive cases and then tracing back to those people they've been in contact with. Uh, we, we've seen very good compliance with uh, those infected with COVID up here. They've for the most part, been very willing to, to go home and stay home and, until they're better um, so they're not out spreading the, the illness. Um, but, but, again, I, I just reemphasize the fact we've been, we've been so fortunate up here. I, I think people have done a tremendous job. Uh, again, it's never going to be 100%. Everybody's not going to do everything they should all the time. But we've certainly had some good support from from individuals and businesses. We, we've seen so many businesses uh, voluntarily doing things to to create a safer environment, uh, whether that's the the one-way aisles of grocery stores or the the limiting the amount of people in the store at any given time, to all the the curbside pickups at, at the the retail stores or, or various things that weren't necessarily required. But, but things they could do to, to help protect people and, and create uh, some, some assurances that, that people would be able to get the things they need and, and do it in a safe manner. And so I, I think we've been very fortunate up here, and I think things are going well. And I, I hope that, that we'll continue to, to follow these measures as we move into this orange phase so we can. We can get some some opening up of things and, and still see people taking precautions and doing what they need to so we can we can open and, and be safe at the same time. Uh, finally, for this segment, and then we'll take a break, come back, uh, I'll uh, ask uh, Hillary's question, and you can ask your question as well. Upraxcess at gmail.com is the email. Upraxcess at gmail.com. So Senator Hilliard, um, Jessica mentioned cooperation and that 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 really is the the key, isn't it? It's it's, and, and that varies individual to individual. But this is all depending on uh, all of us uh, cooperating, all of us being resilient, all of us being patient, uh, and you can't legislate that. True, but I just say another thing that I think is really important is that we need good information as we're working. I. I know I read with some concern that some of our testing may not be accurate. And so we may have a more uh, infestation than we think we do because we're not picking up on the testing. And I think that's important. The other thing, you know, reality is like somebody says, the safest driver, somebody who's just gotten a ticket or somebody who's just had an accident. And so when we live up here and we read about uh, deaths and we, 
disagree about the problems. Sometimes it's the reality. I know, to me personally, uh, Ben McAdams' experience really was a sobering thing. Uh, Ben's a good friend. We worked in the Senate together, and I know he's relatively young and in good health. When I read how sick he was, that brought the reality to me. This is nothing to play around with. This is a very serious illness. And so I think we need to be very careful and thankful that we have uh, not as much as other areas, but there's some we can't ignore. Mm. Well, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll uh, get to Hillary's question and yours, we hope, as well. What is your question about the COVID-19 uh, pandemic? Um, and we have uh, some great people to answer your questions. Uh, State Senator Lyle Hilliard, Gordon Larson, Policy Director with the Utah Governor's Office, Brady Bradford with the Southeast Health Department, and Josh Greer with the Bear River Health Department. Uh, here's how you can get your question to us. It's email, upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. More following this. Support for news programming on Utah Public Radio is brought to you in part by our members and the USU Center for Persons with Disabilities, working to create healthy, inclusive communities through innovative research, service, and education. Information at cpd.usu.edu. Public Radio is where you turn for critical information and updates about the coronavirus pandemic. But we also make sure to bring you moments of beauty and peace. And Hirata said one thing was certain. The tree would still bloom. He pointed to small red buds. They're starting, he said, just a few days away. Help us bring you these moments. Make your Giving Tuesday Now gift to this station. Here's how. And uh, you go to our website, upr.org, upr.org, uh, to, to make that gift. We are participating in this worldwide Giving Tuesday now, and uh, to sweeten that pot, uh, today only, uh, we need 25 donors to unlock a $500 challenge grant from our friends at Canon Heritage Consultants. We're making progress, but we won't get that 500 until we get 25 donations. So you can uh, help us out there with your gift in whatever amount. That's up to that's of course to get that five hundred, and plus your donation is also generously matched dollar for dollar up to a thousand dollars from our friend and fellow listener Sally Sears, so we're heading toward a thousand dollars. That's a dollar for dollar match. You can help us with both of those at five hundred dollars from Canada Heritage Consultants and a thousand dollars from our friend Sally Sears. With a, a simple action today, it doesn't take much time, and you really help out your public radio station. UPR.org, UPR.org is the place to go. Thanks for joining us for Access Utah. It's COVID-19 Conversation Part 2. We're answering your questions about the pandemic in Utah. UPRAccess at gmail.com is the place to go. UPRAccess at gmail.com. That's our email. We have with us Brady Bradford from the Southeast Utah Health Department, Josh Greer, Public Information Officer with Bear River Health Department, State Senator Lyle Hilliard, and Gordon Larson, who's Policy Director with the uh, Governor's Office. Let me jump right into uh, Hillary's uh, email. She's uh, emailed us with this question. Uh, COVID-19 testing rate. She's looking for numbers in Utah and uh, Bariver Health Department. Uh, so I'll turn to Gordon Larson first. Uh, in in Utah, COVID nineteen testing rates in Utah. Yeah, thanks, Tom. It's a good question. So we have done as of yesterday. Um, I think we had one hundred and twenty-seven thousand, um, maybe a little bit high, but right around one hundred twenty to one hundred thirty thousand tests that we've done so far. And for context, that is the fourth or fifth highest per capita testing rate in the country. Um, so the other states that are ahead of us, New York and uh, Rhode Island, um, we're getting all of them, are, are generally states that have gotten a lot of help from the federal government for doing their tests. Utah should be proud that we've done that with just our homegrown um, company. So we University of Utah and ARUP Laboratories, Intermountain Health, um, the Test Utah uh, collaboration with our Silicon Slopes tech community, and then our own public health lab. So um, the, the, the amount of testing is, is uh, pretty remarkable how quickly that's ramped up. And if I could just add one, one thing to that, um, Tom, I'd say that, um, it, you know, whereas going back six weeks or more um, where we were just starting and we didn't have enough tests to, to test everybody, um, now we have far more than enough for anybody who has any number of the, the symptoms that have been listed. Um, and that, that includes those, the, you know, cough, a, a fever, a shortness of breath, um, a loss of, of your sense of smell or taste, 
um, you can go in and, and get tested and, and get those results back very, very quickly within a couple of days. Um, so what we're doing now with that excess capacity, uh, so we have the capacity now to, to do about 9,000 tests a day. We're doing about 5,000 a day. So that excess capacity in tests we're going to use towards doing uh, symptom, uh, asymptomatic testing, so people who may not be showing symptoms but who have been exposed to someone who um, did test positive and encouraging them to go get tested. And that will allow us to get a better grasp on um, on, on how prevalent the, the virus is and, and where it's at in our communities even before people sort of self-select to go get tested. I have a couple of follow-up questions. Uh, first of all, so any of those symptoms – uh, if you think you have those, uh, you know, reach out for a, for a test. How do you do that? What's the contact point? Yeah, that's great. So you can go to Corona. There's several ways you can do it. Uh, you can go to the website, coronavirus.utah.gov, and that will give you the locations of the different testing uh, locations. There's uh, over 50 of them throughout the state, so there should be one not too far from where you're at, even if you're in, um, you know, some of the, the rural parts of Utah. Um, you can also download the app, and I'm happy to talk more about that later if you'd like, Tom. But the Healthy Together app, which is available both a- Apple and Android, um, is used for multiple purposes, but one of them is just to facilitate people getting tested when they need to. So that pull up that app, and that will allow you to find the testing location nearest you. Um, and then you can also go to testutah.com, which um, is, has been focused um, on Utah County, but is expanding beyond that as well. Healthy Together is the app. Correct. Okay. Um, so, uh, I guess the second question is, um, uh, will Utah be moving to contact tracing or do, I guess we would, have we been doing this or, uh, it's my understanding as we kind of move through these levels, that's going to be important contact tracing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and Brady and Josh can probably talk to you more about this. Um, since the, the, the local health departments are really the front lines for doing the contact tracing, but. Essentially, contact tracing for your listeners, Tom, is when someone tests positive, then uh, the, the local health department and the Utah uh, Department of Health will work with them to sit down and kind of interview them and say, where were you for the past seven days, right? So um, we're going to figure when you uh, started showing symptoms and then go back several days beyond that, since that asymptomatic spread is also possible, and help them identify, what, you know, what stores did you go to, who, you know, what family members were you around, who could potentially have been exposed. And, and, and then work to, um, to go back and talk to those people and see if any of them are showing symptoms and encourage them to self-isolate. Um, and then, of course, like I said a moment ago, to now that we have that excess testing capacity, we can actually encourage those people who um, were exposed um, to, to go get tested, even if they're not showing symptoms yet. And, um, and so that contact tracing has been going on from the very beginning. That's not something new, but, but what is new is that uh, we're able to, several things. One is we're able to um, to, to, to ramp that up, we've pulled in a, a large number of, of Utah State employees from other agencies who volunteered to help and use them to enhance what the local health departments are doing, right, as we have more cases that come up and we need more, more people that are doing that interviewing and investigating process and contacting people who've been exposed. But then we're also able to do the, the expanded testing. And then the, the Healthy Youth Together app that I mentioned a moment ago, not only does it help you if you need to find a place to get tested, um, but if you choose to allow it to, to use your, your location data, um, then the app can uh, notify public health officials if it looks like you've unknowingly come in contact with someone who has the, the virus. And that will enhance um, in the coming weeks our, the, the public health officials' ability to track the disease and, and reach out and contact people who may unknowingly have been exposed to it. So there's a lot of tools that go under that contact tracing piece, but that's a critical part of our ability to as, we, as you said, as we move from red to orange to be able to not just have these society-wide restrictions on uh, social distancing, but allow us to be much more targeted and surgical in finding where the disease is and isolating those who have it and letting everybody else get back to some sense of normalcy. One more question now for you, Gordon Larson. I'll turn to our health directors. Um, you mentioned uh, excess capacity now and using some of that for asymptomatic tests. In other words, people who may have come in contact with somebody, but that they're not symptomatic. Um, I'm thinking we'll need uh, you know, you know, all the testing we can get to, to, to move into that asymptomatic testing. Will we have that capacity? Yeah, I think we do. I mean, we're going to continue to work for it. We, we, we said for the, from the beginning that we probably needed at least um, seven to 10,000, the capacity to do seven to 10,000 tests per day, and that's where we're at now. We have that capacity. Um, the, the, 
the the shortages that plagued us early on, um, they're not as big a problem as, as they were. Um, we still have a big need for test swabs and for various reagents, chemicals that are used in the, the process of, of um, processing the tests. Um, so that, that will always be a constraint that we're looking to get ahead of. And, and for now, our, our near-term needs are met. Um, but uh, we, we do have that capacity, and we're confident that we can, we can move forward. Uh, so let me turn uh, next to uh, Josh Greer with uh, Bear River Health Department. So uh, Hillary is asking not only about Utah, but about Bear River Health uh, Department. Uh, so she's asking COVID-19 testing rate and, and numbers in, uh, in Bear River Health Department area. yesterday. Uh, as of yesterday, we have tested just over 3,900 individuals in our health district, so Box Elder, Cash, Rich County, um, and we're, we're sitting at a positive cumulative uh, total of 62 cases. So we're, we're showing about a 1.6% positive rate. Um, as compared to a, a little bit higher rate throughout the rest of the state or, or state average. Um, one, of, one of the, the things to, to remember, too, 1.6% uh, positive, every one of the rest of those people that were tested uh, either had some kind of symptom or, or may have been exposed to somebody with a symptom, may have been a frontline healthcare worker, uh, so what our message really should be is, is whether or not you tested positive for COVID, you've still got some kind of a symptom, and, and you should probably do your best to, to stay home, to, to get better, and not go out and spread that, whether it's COVID, whether it's the flu, whether it's a cold. And I think this is one of those great things that we've been able to learn throughout this process <coughs> is, is just that necessity to stay home when you're sick and and prevent other people from getting sick. I want to ask the same question of uh, Brady Bradford, uh, Southeastern Health Department. So the same question, COVID-19 testing rate and numbers in your department? So we've tested just over 1,300 people, and we have the 12 positives. So we're at less than 1% positive rate. And um, um we have also been actively transitioning to a to reaching out to our vulnerable populations um, to test asymptomatic individuals as well. Um, it's a little bit different down in our area. Being rural, we really have to coordinate that with our hospitals who are our only testing sites. So we need to make sure that they have staff availability and test availability which is not quite as readily um, there as it is along the Wasatch Front, but um, uh, we uh, have put a, pl a plan in place to uh, actively uh, in uh, reach out to grocery stores and long-term care facilities to test asymptomatic folks as well because uh, our, even though it's not maybe at the level of the Wasatch Front, we, we do have testing availability right now. Okay, let's uh, go to our next question. By the way, your questions are welcome. Uh, this is uh, COVID Questions Part 2, and uh, we're, we're handling your questions. We have Josh Greer from the Bear River Health Department, Brady Bradford with Southeast Health, uh, Utah Health Department, uh, Senator Lyle Hilliard and Gordon Larson, Policy Director with the Governor's Office. UPRAxis at gmail.com. UPRAxis at gmail.com is the uh, email to get your uh, email uh, uh, question to us. UPRAxis at gmail.com. And here is uh, Carol's question. Uh, Carol, asks, Carol says, I was just shopping at Home Depot and Lowe's with face masks. I was very dismayed that employees were not wearing face masks, nor were the majority of customers. It is clear that easing of restrictions has created an increased dismissal of published guidelines. What's the panel's opinion of this? Somebody want to jump in on that one? Uh, maybe direct this uh, first to uh, Gordon Larson. Sure. Um, you know, I've, I've had similar experiences uh, to, to Carol's, and, and like I said before, that's disappointing. Um, I, I have to hope that part of the challenge is that people don't have masks yet, and I'm hopeful that as they become more available that, uh, that, that people will wear them uh, much more often. We, this is probably a good time to mention the um, Mask for Every Utah campaign that we've started. 
which is an effort to, um, to, to provide masks free of charge to, to anyone in Utah who wants them. So we've produced a million masks. And if you go to, to the website, to coronavirus.utah.gov, um, you'll, you'll be able to, um, to order a mask. And, um, and, and this is, it's worth noting, these are being produced by Utah companies who've kind of retooled their operations to help uh, participate in this and, and make masks available. Now, these are not the medical-grade masks that our frontline providers would need to use, uh, N95 masks and clinical uh, uh, masks. Um, they're just cloth masks, but they, do, they serve the purpose. And, and that's, uh, it's worth noting that if, even if you just wear a bandana or you, you have a homemade mask, that's, that's perfectly acceptable. That's better than nothing, and that's what we're asking for. Um, so, so again, uh, Carol's correct. It, it can be disappointing that not everybody's uh, latched onto this yet, but I, uh, that's all the more reason for us to emphasize it and encourage our friends and neighbors to um, to, to wear masks and um, and, uh, and and help uh, pre- prevent the spread. Uh, Senator Hilliard, I wonder your thoughts on this as, as you venture out and about. And I, I've experienced this as well. Um, I was in Lowe's a couple of Saturdays ago, and it was <laughs> it was pretty crowded. Everyone wanted to start their garden and. Um, and everybody was trying their best to do social distancing. Uh, I, I think maybe, well, less than half the people were wearing, wearing masks. Uh, is, is that a concern of yours that with easing of restrictions, maybe people will think, oh, I don't have to do some of these things. You know, it's a uh, thing I've learned about wearing masks. It's not so much to protect yourself. It's to pre- prevent you from contaminating other people. And I think when people get that perspective, then they're no longer the he-man, I can do this, and I'm not worried about myself, but the concern of helping others. I have to admit, I haven't been out very much. Uh, I've been, I went to Anderson's Feed here in Logan and got some seeds that I needed to plant in my garden. I walked in there. I was impressed at what Anderson's had done. There was spacing, marking on the floor. Uh, I had a mask on, and most of the people, not all, but most of the people I saw had masks on and uh, went through only one person at a time to come up to the actual seed counter, and I thought they, they had done it very responsibly. And I've done that, uh, uh, but, I, I, again, I'll have to, we have a grandson here who's now sitting out of college because college is closed, and he does the shopping for us. And so I know he wears a mask, and he just brings stuff and puts it on our back step, and uh, when my wife feels safe about bringing it in, we can bring it in. But uh, I haven't really been out a lot in the public to really see that. Yeah, that's important to point out, uh, you know, to, you're in one of those demographics, uh, so, uh, you know, important to keep certain demographics, especially important to keep certain demographics uh, safe. I'm glad your grandson's doing that for you. Um, so, Bernie Bradford, are you, what, what do you think about this? What are you seeing? Are people wearing face masks in your area? Well, I, I do think it's very interesting that we've talked about, um, you know, Home Depot and Lowe's and... Um, we, this isn't a scientific study by any means, but uh, that's where, in situations like that, that's where we've seen the least compliance. Um, um, I don't know if it's the demographic visiting those stores or not, but um, um, aside from you know hardware stores, lumber stores, we've seen uh, a much higher rate of uh, face covering use in, in some other places. Um, so we are trying to just get some education out to um, these types of stores. Again, along the lines of what the senator said, that this isn't about you being the he-man. It's about you being um, charitable to those around you by um, not exposing them to your uh, droplets, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, Josh Greer, Bear River Health Department, what, what are you seeing? You know, I, I'd agree with everyone. I think we're seeing about the same thing up here, and, and I definitely agree with Brady on the, the Home Depot and Lowe's concept. Um, I, I feel like when, when I'm in a different location, there seems to be a different amount of compliance. Um, and I think it is a learning curve, like was mentioned, too. Uh, I think getting the masks out there, getting them available, helping people understand what they're for uh, goes a long way. And, and and if we can do that, we, we can just keep pushing and pushing that information and, and helping people understand uh, the purpose. Uh, I think we'll get there. I think we'll make improvements. 
Our next question uh, is from Chris in St. George. He called in, uh, wanted to know what's going on to happen at Zion's uh, National Park. He says he's scared. He wants to know what officials are thinking and how they're planning to handle it. Uh, Brady Bradford, that's not your your closest. I don't know if you'd uh, could talk about Zion's uh, and and uh, while we're at it, um, you know the the national parks in your area. Yeah. Um, so I know in, in our area, um, our national parks had some concerns about the availability of supplies to keep bathrooms clean, um, to keep their employees protected as they were uh, in those bathrooms. And so they, over the last while, have been working to shore up the, that supply chain. Uh, additionally, um, you know, arches and canyonlands have uh, concerns about when they are permitted to to bring in seasonal employees, and that's not something that we've restricted, but it is coming from the Department of Interior. So they won't, be, in our area, they won't have a full complement of employees for another month, and and. We are in conversations with them regularly about what their plan is to resume normal operations, and it will uh, probably be some level of day use at first that uh, advances to, you know, camping and 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 then a, a full opening at some point. But it's probably for us still weeks away, uh, just based on their level of preparation. And certainly can't speak fully for Zion's, but uh, understand that um, they are certainly encouraging uh, uh, take your turn mentality don't don't visit the high the, you know the, the most popular hiking trails where that would end up crowded but it, it is a very difficult situation to to regulate because you know it's a beautiful place uh, it's a wonderful destination to, to be to and uh, we talked about people being a little stir crazy and, and they feel like you know it's time Time for me to get out. So uh, there are some concerns there. I know that the the health department, the community officials there, and and the park will keep a close eye on it. I just pulled up a news story. <clears throat> Zion National Park uh, will start reopening on May 13th. According to the park's post on social media, park will begin day-use recreation access to select areas of the park that day. Um, and a quote from the park, we will provide more information in days to come on what will be accessible in our park and local tourism websites. Uh, so that's Zion on their social media. So start reopening on May 13th. I know Capitol Reef uh, has opened a few areas, um, day-use areas, um, and still restricting uh, kind of the, the main area. Um, so we'll, we'll take a look at that. Uh, and I just extrapolating or... or you know, trying to parse out Chris's question, lives in St. George. Uh, I'm guessing some of his nervousness is more people coming in uh, from from the outside, right? So that's uh, we talked about that, Brady Bradford, right? Uh, some tourism areas, and there's a balance there. Certainly, um, you know, we know in Moab, our our businesses have made a tremendous sacrifice to be supportive of what of the actions that we've had to take so far, um, and um, they they want to be a part of the solution moving forward, and I imagine that most businesses do. Um, so, particularly as we as we start this process, um, it is a little bit of a dance for a week or so um, to figure out what's the best practice for this business as it meets the the intention of the guidelines and. Um, individuals that haven't been out uh, as a tourist, now they are. What is their responsibility to the communities they are visiting? And particularly if you're going to visit a community, I think it's very um, incumbent upon that person, that family, to be wearing face coverings, to to visit places that uh, maybe aren't quite as popular, avoid those crowds out of respect for the, the local population. Uh, let's see, our next question it comes in from Doug. He says, I haven't heard the Southeast uh, Utah Health Department talk about what's happening on the Navajo Nation located in San Juan County. Uh, I'm not uh, I'm not sure that's in your department, um, if, or if you could talk to that. I, I have been reading there has been a spike in cases on the Navajo Nation. Yes, that, that's not in my county. That's in San Juan County Health Department. Uh, all I know now is that um, they are receiving some additional 
support from uh, the state in terms of mobile testing, in terms of you know contact tracing, um, and, and giving support to the Indian Health Services down there. Um, I apologize, I don't know more than that right now. Yeah, Gordon Larson, do you, do you know anything about this? Uh, that spike in cases? Yeah, I can in the add. Just, yeah. I, sure, I can add just a little bit to that. Um, it's correct. It, it, the state the Department of Health has provided a, a lot of resources over the last several weeks, and in particular has done an enormous amount of mobile testing where we drive um, down to the reservation itself and, and, uh, and set up operations there and, and test as many as we can. Um, so I think the, in, the increase is partly a result of increased testing, but it's also uh, certainly a result of spread. Um, and so the, the State Department of Health is working with the San Juan Health Department to help identify um, the, the spike there and the spread and, and how to address it. Um, but you're, you're right, it's, the challenge is that it's a remote area, and, um, and, uh, and, and, and so we're, we're doing our best to identify that and, and to address the spread and, and slow it. Do, do you have a concern that uh, you know, some of these rural areas uh, have not been hit Hard at all, right? And there's been a lot of cases in in say you know Salt Lake County, Utah County, Summit County. Um, are you concerned that we might see spikes in some of these rural areas? Yeah, certainly. That's that's always a concern, and um, that's again why we this this move to orange, as was said earlier, is is more of a dial than a flip, right? It's not flipping a switch. It's just slowly, uh, tentatively stepping into a little bit. Uh, less restrictive uh, posture, uh, but it is important that whether you're along the Wasatch Front or whether you live in in uh, Iron County or San Juan County or anywhere in between, that uh, that you still practice social distancing. And of course, um, we'll, we'll continue to encourage folks to get tested, you know, do the asymptomatic testing to try and get a good grasp on on uh, where the, the the prevalence is and where there are um, you know kind of hot spots that we may not be aware of just through people self-selecting into testing. Um, but so it's again, it's not a the, the move to orange is a tentative one, and uh, and, and certainly if we see spikes and or hot spots in certain areas, then we may kind of dial that back up and have to in, in specific geographic areas go back to the the high risk posture, the red. And this is kind of a geographic area, it could have differences among different areas, I suppose, depending on how this plays out. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, that's correct. So, so. Uh, when the governor is issued his executive order on, uh, last week, um, it was, it was he, the way he framed this is for the next two weeks through mid-May, um, the whole state will be on this orange, this moderate risk posture, um, and that will allow us to get a, get a good grasp on what's happening. And, and if there are spikes or if there are areas maybe that, uh, that, that really have not been heavily hit, like you mentioned, then maybe they can move to the next lowest risk category to, to yellow. And uh, there may be other areas, like we said, that need to move back into red. So we're, we're taking the next couple of weeks here to evaluate that and, and to see what happens and to watch very carefully the data as it comes in. Let's take another break. When we come back, we'll have our final segment with our panel, which includes State Senator Lyle Hilliard, Gordon Larson, Policy Director at Utah Governor's Office, Brady Bradford, Health Director with Southeast Utah Health Department, and Josh Greer, Public Information Officer with the Bear River Health Department. Uh, your question is welcome. Uh, we'd love to answer your question. Here's how to get it to us. Email upraxcess at gmail.com. Upraxcess at gmail.com. Upraxcess at gmail.com. More following this. It's easy to feel discouraged and overwhelmed right now. So many are struggling, but there are ways to help. Giving Tuesday now is a special day for donating to nonprofits that strengthen and inform your community, like this public radio station. Your donation of any size makes a difference. Give back to keep vital information flowing. Here's how. And uh, here is how, upr.org. UPR.org. That's our website. Go to UPR.org and give whatever you can. Of course, uh, UPR isn't uh, as important as uh, keeping healthy, right? And that's what we've been talking about on the program today. There's a lot of things that are very important, but we hope that uh, getting this information uh, and uh, this uh, information community, this public radio community, is among the things that are important to you. And uh, we're taking care of that today on uh, by participating in uh, Giving Tuesday Now's worldwide uh, operation, Giving Tuesday Now. 
and a couple of challenges uh, to sweeten the pot for you. Your pledge in any amount will help us to get to the 25 uh, donors we need to unlock a $500 challenge grant from our friends at Canon Heritage Consultants. Your pledge in any amount uh, helps us to get to 25 donors. Once we get to that, that'll unlock the $500 from Canon Heritage Consultants. In addition to that, your donation will be generously matched dollar for dollar up to $1,000 from our friend and fellow listener, Sally Sears. So you'll help us with the, both of those with your pledge in any amount today to upr.org, upr.org. And thank you. Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, tune in to UPR to hear an interfaith program featuring messages of hope tailored to this particular moment. We'll hear perspectives from Buddhism, the Baha'i Faith, Judaism, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, Hinduism, the Episcopal Church, and Islam on the coronavirus pandemic and how we can find hope, comfort, and strength right now. Join us Sunday morning at 10 or Monday morning at 9 for a rebroadcast on Access Utah. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. We're answering your COVID-19 questions as the state moves from red to orange level uh, statewide. And then uh, in a couple of weeks, Gordon Larson tells us uh, different areas will reevaluate to see uh, what has happened. And it could be differences among geographic areas as we uh, go forward. Uh, you can get your question to us at our email, upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. We have another five or six minutes left in the program. I want to start with uh, Senator Lyle Hilliard uh, here. Uh, so you mentioned top of the program, Senator, that uh, you're hearing from a, a minority of people, you know, extremes. Uh, one, you characterize, you know, hiding under the bed, let's <laughs> at all costs keep safe. You can understand that. And then another, you know, part of that minority, uh, let's reopen despite whatever data we have. Uh, but you said there, you know, most people are kind of in the middle there. And I wonder what your thoughts on how we balance balance that, uh, to try to get back the economy getting going again while staying healthy. I'd make two points. Number one, I think the material that we receive, the, the records and the reports have to be valid. I mean, people have to feel... The, the testing is accurate. This is what the problem is, and this is what we're doing. It, you know, one of the problems we have today, we live in a world of, of Internet, and we live in a world of social media, and there's all sorts of things flying all over the place about this. And so people have the propensity to believe what they want to believe. So when they get an email that says this is all bogus, that there's no problem, that's what they want to believe they want to believe. So I, I think we really have to concentrate on giving out accurate information. If we make a mistake, you got to acknowledge that and explain the problem and move forward. I think that's really, really important. I think the second thing is people need to feel that we're moving forward. I think to just simply say we're going to lock down and keep everybody at home uh, for we don't know how long, uh, I think that's discouraging. And I like the idea of setting a goal in two weeks or a month from now. We're going to reevaluate. We're going to have some measurements as we go along there. I think that people, they feel that's happening, they're getting honest information, then I think uh, uh, that's important. And again, I, I just not here in Barrow, and I know uh, Dr. Bjornsson has been very important, very uh, open to us as legislators, and I think the public, I think that's really an important thing. I, I'm sure the health departments, the rest of the state are doing the same thing. They're working on a tremendous load, because nobody really knows. I mean, nobody knows whether if you have it once, and you won't get it again, or will you? We're going to have a big another wave this fall. I mean, this is a thing, and uh, I think we just need to be open with people as much as we can and drive as fast as we can to get answers. I'll turn next to Gordon Larson. Um, questions I think is on a lot of people's minds. Um, I don't know if we know the answer to this. H- have we reached the peak in Utah? Um, and I guess a related question, did, have we successfully flattened the curve? Yeah, great question, Tom. Um, but the, the answer is that as a state, we're, we're in what we call an incident plateau. So um, we have sort of reached that peak and we're plateauing. It looks like anyway, it's, it's, you know, time will tell, but, but it appears that we've sort of plateaued. Now, the, the caveat to that is that um, it's not just a statewide phenomenon. It's, 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 it's a regional geographic phenomenon. There are parts of the state that, um, that are seeing uh, less incidents. They're, they're kind of on the downslide and other places that are um, that are continuing to, to increase. Um, so, for example, Summit County, which was uh, one of our very early hotspots, our earliest hotspot, and then followed by Salt Lake County, they're both in, in that incident plateau and um, has stabilized. 
um, and there are other areas that we see flare-ups. And so um, it, it's, it's, it's mostly good news, and the data that we look at in terms of our, our ICU bed utilization throughout the state, that's stabilized. Uh, 10% or less of those ICU beds are filled by COVID-19 patients, so that's good. Um, our, our transmission rate has been hovering right around 1%. It's plummeted since the, you know, in the past month or two, and now it's hovering right around 1%, meaning that one person who has it is only transmitting it to one other person as opposed to three or four or five people. Um, and then, of course, our, our, uh, just our, our overall testing rate, so the, the amount of people that we're testing, um, early on it was about 5% that were coming back. Now we're down to about 4.2, 4.3. So that's good that that number of people, even as we've increased testing, a smaller percentage of people are coming back with positives. That's a sign that we're getting a good grasp on, on the prevalence of the virus. So um, that's a long answer to your question, but I think we feel good about where we're at. That doesn't mean there won't be more um, more spread and, and more deaths, and, and every death is unfortunate. Uh, but but I think those early interventions and the willingness of Utahns to, to be careful and to exercise caution and follow directions has made a huge impact. We just have uh, about oh, two minutes left, so a minute each, 30 seconds each. So I'll start with Josh Greer with the Bear River Health Department. What's your, just your general advice to people very quickly? Uh, general advice, I think, Uh Stay home when you're sick. <laughs> we're, we're, we're making great progress on this COVID, but I, I think if we've learned anything, uh, it, it, it's stay home when you're sick. It's wash your hands. It's social distance. Wear your masks. Do those things to, to protect yourself and to protect those around you, and, and I think we'll be in a, a better place going forward. And uh, Brady Bradford, Southeast Health Department, same, same question uh, quickly. So you're just your general advice to people. Well, um, I would I would continue to, to keep up, look at what the the information the state is putting out at coronavirus.utah.gov. Look at your the your local health department's website. Uh, early on, you know, this was just like looking at a hippopotamus in, at the zoo. You could only see the top of its head. Now we've had the opportunity to uncover so much data that's guiding our uh, policy decisions at this time. That will help. Uh, if, if people follow that, uh, that, those websites, it'll help them understand why the policy decisions are being made. And um, I'll end with um, Gordon Larson, just contact points. Uh, so Brady Bradford mentioned that. Coronavirus.utah.gov is a good place to go. Absolutely. Yeah, you'll find a lot of the information, a lot of questions answered there. And uh, what was the app you mentioned earlier? Sure, the Healthy Together app, Healthy Together app, which is on both the Apple and Android uh, app stores. Okay, Healthy Together app. All right. Well, thank you, everyone. Uh, Gordon um, Larson, Policy Director with the Utah Governor's Office, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks, Tom. Brady Bradford, uh, Health Director with the Southeast uh, Utah Health Department. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. I appreciate it. Uh, You bet. Uh, Josh Greer, Public Information Officer, Bear River Health Department. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And uh, Senator Lyle Hilliard uh, uh, from uh, from Logan, thank you for joining us, Senator. Always glad to help you, KUSU. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, thanks for uh, supporting Utah Public Radio. This is Utah Public Radio, a statewide service of Utah State University and the College of Humanities and Social Sciences, KUSR Logan, KUSK Vernal, KUSL Richfield, KUST Moab, KCEU Price, KUSU FM Logan, and also heard at upr.org.